0: Welcome in. I'm Matt Norlander. This is the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're listening, well, welcome back in, obviously. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. And if you have not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please feel free to do so. That thing is taking off on a rocket as we get into March. So thank you to everyone who has done that. We've heard plenty of feedback from people who listen to the podcast, but they want to support the show. So they simply subscribe to the show, even though they almost never watch it. If that applies to you, please do so. And Please help us out if you're watching this uh, as it posts on YouTube or at some point after. Hit the like button. Feel free to leave some comments. We are going to do some bonus material here. Obviously, if you're listening to this on Monday, you'll notice this is a little outside the schedule. We are going to give you six conference tournament preview podcasts. Keep these about 15 to 20 minutes. As you can see, if you are watching and as you'll hear momentarily, if you are listening, we are varying up the roster. So Parrish and I are going to do a couple of these together. I'm going to do one with David Cobb. On this episode, I'll do one with Kyle Boone, and then Parrish will do some with Cobb and Boone. We'll keep it fresh. Different voices, that's the idea. Plus, frankly, Parrish and I now only have to do four of these instead of six altogether. We are going to start with the Big East. So this is the first of the six. We'll get these into the feed basically throughout Monday and Tuesday, I believe is the plan, because you know these big conference tournaments, they're going to start Wednesday. So yes, we're doing Big East, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC, and what one am I forgetting in there? Don't know. Can't remember it off the top of my head. So, Cobb, thanks for joining us. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, man,
1: uh, quite an insult to the Big East. A potential six-team bid in a uh, league in the NCAA tournament that you have me on instead of Gary. If I were the
0: Big East, I would be offended. No, 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 no. You're getting in here to, to to specifically because I want to get you outside of the comfort zone, so to speak. Let's get you talking about teams that you don't necessarily always talk about or always write about, so I wanted to bring you in here. So,
1: Cobb, no, I'll say, hey. That- Yes. I had to do my homework a little bit because, look, I mean, in some ways, the Big East does fly a little bit under my radar as somebody who's primarily lived in the in the southeast and covered, you know, things from a southeastern perspective. The Big East is not as natural to me as, say, the ACC, the SEC, even the Big Ten. So it's fun that that's the beauty of this job is that when you do things on a national level, it forces you to learn things about programs and conferences, coaches and players that, you know, uh, you may not be as familiar with.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to do that for everyone listening as well. Um, if you are if this is a crash course, if you found the Ion College basketball podcast in recent episodes and this is up your alley, we hope it is. Again, these will be relatively quick episodes, but just quick primers. Get you going, get you in gear for conference tournament season. The biggest tournament will be held Wednesday through Saturday of this week. And as always, Madison Square Garden is the host venue. The title game will air Saturday at 6:30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. So again, Wednesday through Saturday. Wednesday is the first round. Thursday, we get into the quarterfinals. I will be on hand in New York City for both the Big East and ACC tournaments. I'll be ping-ponging back and forth. Um, and so there we go. The Big East first team has been announced. It's a six-man first team. I got issues with these conferences. I can't stick this to five people, but whatever. Um, here, Here's the players to know, at least evaluated, and said to be the best in the conference this year. RJ Cole, UConn. Adama Sonogo of UConn, Colt of Guards, Sonogo's big. Justin Lewis, sophomore, terrific wing, really broke out in a significant way. Uh, Julian Champagny of St. John's, big-time player. Jared Roden of Seton Hall, kind of an overlooked gem, although Pirates fans know what I'm talking about. And then Colin Gillespie, no surprise, preseason player of the year. He was the only unanimous vote for the Big East first team, Colin Gillespie. As we record this, biggie says not yet announced this player of the year it's going to be gillespie he's the only unanimous he's the only pick it will be Colin gillespie uh you heard it here first i guess all right so with that in mind we're going to give you a couple storylines to know before we you know talk about teams on the bubble who could be a bid thief and make our picks so without further ado mr cobb to you and i got some more to get to but to you big picture what's the biggest storyline attached to the big East tournament in your opinion
1: It might become Patrick Ewing again because just just because of the name. Right. And because of the fact that they made a run last season. So if heaven forbid they were to win a game, he becomes the biggest story. And let's be honest, does anybody know what's going on there right now? Because it was about a what, a week, 10 days ago that the AD and the the administration kind of came out in support of Patrick Ewing. And then he muddies the waters the other day by putting out a somewhat contradictory statement that sort of makes it uh, ambiguous again about whether or not he plans to continue on into the future because of the star power there, he's going to become a huge storyline in this tournament. Now I'm very optimistic that the actual on-court play as, as it typically does in the big East tournament will provide us with an unending stream of quality stories, but just looking at it on the surface, the uncertainty around Patrick Ewing Uh, And given what Georgetown did last season, I think that's going to be something that gets talked about a lot surrounding this tournament.
0: You're absolutely right. Patrick Ewing was on my list of biggest storylines. Here's what Patrick Ewing tweeted out on Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday. He said, any announcement about my future will come from me or Georgetown University. First and foremost, I am not a quitter. My plan is to be back next year coaching at my alma mater and bringing this program back to prominence. So you've got Ewing for a second time stating that he's not going anywhere. You had the AD. You know, put out the vote of confidence. Now, the response, the context on this is John Feinstein, Washington Post writer who has covered college basketball for three plus decades. Um, He goes on the radio. Apparently, I didn't hear the segment. I actually heard about this when I was down in Durham at Duke. And then this Ewing tweet caught my eye. And then I just hit up someone. They said, yeah, you know, Feinstein went on the radio. And kind of spoke aloud a rumor saying, you know, maybe Patrick Ewing would be stepping down despite the vote of confidence and all that. So then, like, it gets swirling even more. Georgetown's 0 19. And so there we have it. Georgetown, of course, won the Big East tournament auto bid a season ago. From the eight line, I will remind you, no fans in the building. Georgetown, as an eight seed, makes the run. It was an awesome story when it happened. They promptly got booted right out of the tournament by, by fifth seed Colorado. That will be a big one. Let me toss th- three more on you storylines, Cobb, and then go where. Go where With it, where you please. Number one to me has to be UConn returning to the nest. Okay, the Connecticut Huskies going back to the Big East tournament with fans for the first time in almost a decade. Of course, UConn was in this tournament a year ago. There weren't any. The general public wasn't allowed in the building. It is going to be insane. That the Madison Square Garden, the Big East, it always delivers. But getting that program back in that building, it's going to be a joke. I there are so many great fan bases in the Big East that really eat up those tickets and descend upon Midtown Manhattan. but, And I hear you, Providence fans. You got your teams at one seed. Nova, absolutely. You're going to flood that place. Not to mention Seton Hall, you roll hard. I get it. Johnny's, you're right there in the city. I get it. No one is competing with UConn's fan contingent at this year's tournament. Uh, I'm let's point out it. the
1: fact, though, that, Matt, they have a very tough path. In this, in this bracket because they split with Seton Hall. And unless Patrick Ewing pulls a Patrick Ewing and, and beats Seton Hall in the first round, then UConn will play Seton Hall, who they split with in two very close games in the quarterfinal round, and then presumably in the semifinals would have to go up against Vill- Villanova. So UConn yeah. would have to beat Seton Hall, Villanova, and potentially Providence to win the big East tournament. To me, that, that seems highly. unlikely. And
0: it could. And we will, we will pick cops tipping his hand here. We will pick our, our teams to make it into the title game. And then the ultimate winner and all that stuff. Uh, In just a few minutes, but regardless of that first game cup quarterfinals, it's, I mean, it's just going to be a madhouse. I plan on being in the building when we do that. If you're watching on YouTube, nada has brought up the bracket there again. We'll talk our way through this in just a second, but keep that you can keep that up for everyone watching to get a sense of how the bracket will play out in terms of, okay, if I'm a Butler fan, when do they play? If they were to you know move on and play who, where would they go? Same thing with Marquette. What am I looking at? So you can, you can go see that there. Of course. Other storylines, Providence versus everybody. And by that, I mean, if you look at that bracket, Providence is the one seed, wins the regular season in the Big East for the first time in school history, but does so because it does not play three league games. Why doesn't it play three league games? Because they were COVID cancellations that could not be made up because the Big East decided that the other games that would have been made up, you would have had to pluck from other teams. Ultimately... They decided not to do that. So PC won on win percentage, even though it got swept by the two seed Villanova. And so now you know Friar fans are going to show up rowdy and boastful. I get it. I cannot wait. They're going to show up with also something. There's going to be something to prove there for Providence. Because let me ask
1: you, hey, hey, you live in the geographic footprint of this conference. Indeed. I don't sense that there's been the outrage over the win percentage champion with Providence this year that there was with the Big Ten and the AAC last year where those were like seriously contentious issues in the sport of college basketball due to some of the COVID cancellations, creating conference champions who had fewer wins than second place teams. I I haven't sensed uh, the, the, the sport wide angst over that with the big East.
0: It's pretty, it's close. It's not as much, I would say as those two leagues from a season ago, but it's pretty close because even though we were still playing this season in the pandemic, there weren't as many, scheduling issues aside from that you know three week burst with omicron and so yeah no there's you know there, there's been noise from yukon and villanova's fan base so there's no doubt about it again part of that's me living in the footprint there uh but providence in the number one spot man never been in that spot in this tournament before it'll be interesting to see and then the last storyline before we talk about teams on the bubble is yukon i mean not yukon villanova you know is it still their league Providence is the one seed. UConn's back and going to have fans there. And, and there's going to be a lot of energy and attention paid to that. But Villanova has the player of the year. Still the best program in the conference right now. Is it going to be able to win yet another Big East tournament? It's an effectively owned the league since uh, the Catholic seven split off and uh, and redefine what Big East basketball meant. So those are the biggest storylines in addition to what Cobb mentioned there with Georgetown.
1: Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: Okay. Teams on the bubble, Cobb rapid fire here. Here's the deal. If you're the big East, it's been a good season. Providence, Nova, Yukon, Seton hall, Marquette and Creighton. They're all safe. Creighton Marquette are going to play each other in the, in the first round. As you can see on the graphic on YouTube, that's a four or five matchup. That'll kick off on. I say kick off. It will actually technically tip off on Thursday. That means the only team that kind of quasi, maybe barely, I don't even think so is on the bubble is Xavier. Give me your thoughts on Xavier. It's got that game against Butler in the first. It's going to be the first game of the tournament. seed to Butler, nowhere near the NIT, uh, going up against Xavier. If X loses that game, do you think it's at large is dicey, or do you think this team's in no matter what?
1: I mean, I think it, its case should be dicey because I don't like teams getting in that have played their worst basketball leading up to Selection Sunday, and that's the reality with Xavier, aside from – uh, a win over Georgetown, which really counts for nothing. This is a team that's been on a pretty horrendous slide as of late. And going up against a Butler team in the first round that isn't going to do them a whole lot of good to, to win that game either because we'll see. I, I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head where Butler is in the net. So not sure what sort of quadrant that game would be. But it's 128. Not be a- Just so,
0: you know, I got you real quick. Butler is 128 in the net. On a neutral court, 128 in the net as a quad three game.
1: There you go. And, and then do we think they're going to beat Providence in the quarterfinals? I, I don't see it. I, I don't see Xavier really helping its case much in this conference tournament. Now, uh, they're on the bubble. So a lot of it's going to depend on what happens elsewhere around the country. Um the week is off to a good start for bubble teams, obviously, with Murray State taking care of business in the OBC final. But there's a lot of dominoes still to fall there. And so I just feel like Xavier is going to end up needing some help if it's going to get into the NCAA.
0: Cobb might be onto something here. There's going to be Xavier fans that listen to this that, that disagree. There's going to be ticked off Xavier fans who are almost nodding in agreement because they're just absolutely, you know, uh, they're furious over the fact that this was a preseason top 25 level team, and it just they faded again down the stretch under Travis Steele. But here's the deal right now with Xavier. I'm going to be quick on this. Best team sheet metric as we record this on a Sunday night, it's actually the net, 35. Now, that's decent. Don't get me wrong. But results-based metrics, not, not helping them. Strength of record, 53. KPIs, 39. Predictives, kind of all over the board here. Ken Palm says Xavier's number 51 in the country. BPI's at 49. Sagarin's a little bit healthier at 39. A loss to Butler would get it really dicey. I do want to pick up on one thing Cobb said, and I'm not saying that you were alluding to this specifically. You were more speaking to your personal taste when it gets to evaluating tournament teams. Reminder, because I actually had two coaches in the past week kind of hit me up and talk to me about this thing, uh, thinking that it was still a criterion, and it's not. How you play down the stretch of the season has no impact on if you get in and where you get seated. It Once upon a time, your final 10 games was a criterion. But that's not been the case for well over a decade there. So, that if a team loses seven out of 10, eight out of nine, four out of six down the stretch, it does not matter. But I do think for some committee members, it's hard to separate what they're seeing in front of their eyes and balance I was going to say, the when you, when you get the,
1: the, the, the human nature element of this involved, and let's say hypothetically, hypothetically, it comes down to Xavier or, or Rutgers. How do you pick Xavier over Rutgers given what Rutgers accomplished? during the big 10 in the way it turned things on in the second half
0: of the season. You can't, but with you saying that, how about this, man? Oh, it's just so fascinating. And obviously we'll go deeper on Rutgers on the big 10 preview right now. uh, But we're recording this. Yeah. Well, they're still pretty good. Rutgers is 76 in the net. It doesn't have a team sheet metric better than 50th. But objectively, Rutgers has to be considered safer than Xavier, in my opinion. But I think that these things, you know, debate one team versus the other. I think it's a wonderful thing for the committee, a great challenge to put forth in front of them, because we are going to get real evidence here this year of how the committee is going to handle and grasp teams that either have drastically different metrics, one versus the other. Loyal Chicago springs to mind. Not good in resume based, really good in predictives. We've seen we've you know. We've heard that tune before. Um, And, you know, a Rutgers versus a Xavier is is another one to keep in mind there. I think Xavier's – if Xavier beats Butler, I'm saying they're in. I think think it's in, but the metrics aren't wonderful, and I don't know if it's a surefire deal. Certainly something to keep an eye on.
1: Well, to be clear, it's a very thin line because you're talking about a Xavier team that took Providence to triple overtime. So to suggest that this team is incapable of beating Mm -hmm. Providence is ridiculous. Clearly that they could do that. And so – I'm not ruling out the possibility that they go and upset the number one seed uh, the day after beating Butler in the first round. It's certainly possible. I I just don't see how a win over Butler and and that being it really helps a team that's struggled a lot down the stretch. And, And then I just, I do wonder if the human nature element of what that committee will be going through next week plays a factor in the way they are evaluated. So, so I guess I'm, I'm the devil's advocate here a little bit, but, It's certainly possible because the line here is so thin, and this is a Xavier team that has shown flashes. So I'm not ruling out that the Musketeers, I think they are capable of of going on a run this month, but there's been no signs of, of that capability in recent weeks.
0: Five and nine in quad one, four and two in quad two. That combines for a nine and eleven quad one, quad two overall mark. Not great, but not far from horrible. Five and one in quad three, only four quad four games for Xavier, which is actually helping their net metric overall. Keep an eye out for that. Okay, bid thieves—the teams that have no shot at bubble status, The schools that apply here: St. John's, Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown. Who's the bid thief there? If if you got to pick one, and we do got to pick one, I think it's obvious. I go the Johnnies. I, I and I think I think you got to be on that train with me.
1: Well, I mean, I, you know, I love Posh Alexander, yes. uh, my guy. Sub six footer, uh, nine assists, zero points in his last game. I think he'll be he'll be hungry to get in the uh, in the score column uh, this week, and and the type of a guy who honestly could easily become a darling of March because of his undersized nature and his defensive tenacity. He's sort of a made for March superstar who I hope at some point in his college career gets to shine on the NCAA tournament stage. Uh, I will actually go Butler though, just to be different, because you're talking about a veteran-laden team in Butler and a team that I think, um, you know, they could they could maybe upset Providence. Uh, they played them close twice during the regular season. Providence is not invincible, and they've you know rated very highly in the in the in the luck category this year. They won a ton of close games, so. I like I like the idea of Butler being a veteran laden team, a team playing for a coach who played at Butler who might rally his guys for the postseason. I don't know. I I just see some potential March type of substance there with Butler, even though it really hasn't shown up much for them this season. They don't have a star on their team, which is why I think they're going to get overlooked. I mean, there's nobody on that roster who averages more than 11 points a game. Um, but if somebody decides to flash or pop randomly this, this week, uh, they could be a team that I could see getting on a heater, kind of like Georgetown did last season.
0: You're out of your mind. Butler's lost five in a <laughs> row and they're not going to do this, but I, I appreciate, I appreciate the take there. I'm trying. I'm trying. I know, I know. Listen, it's the Johnnies. it's, it's the Johnny's only the Johnnies. Big biggies is not going to have a, a bid thief though. That's not going to happen here. All right. We're gonna get out of here on this. Let's pick the title game matchup and tourney winner. Nada, if you could be so kind, if it's still there, bring that bracket back up so if people are watching, they can see it in real time. Um, pick our title game matchup and then who's gonna win the tourney mop? I will go first because I already got it here. I'm I actually think we're gonna get some noise. Okay, I, I talk about a team we haven't mentioned yet. I'm gonna get I'm gonna put into the title game. Give me Shaka Smarts Marquette team. So I'm gonna have Marquette beating Creighton. A great one against Providence. Providence is going to lose a close game by four points for like the second time all season or whatever and get into the title game. And then, uh, you know what? I'm going against what you mentioned at the top, Cobb. I'm going to have Nova and UConn in the semis. Just a classic Friday night Biggie semi. Just a classic. Those fans, oh my gosh, give it to me. And I'll have UConn winning. I'll have UConn winning, and it's return with fans to the garden, long awaited. Well, well overdue. So I'll have Marquette versus UConn in the big East tournament championship game. And then give me UConn. It's got more talent, it's better defensive team. I think it's a bit more reliable. Marquette had some really nice moments, but it has been more wobbly as of late. I think Shaka Smart's going to do well for himself in this spot overall. I think that is not out of the realm of possibility. Golden Eagles are 19 and 11. They've been up, down, up, down, up, down in the past two and a half weeks or so. They've had a loss and a win, a loss, win, loss, win uh, over the past six games. But I'm, I'm going to say they're going to get on track. UConn wins the Big East tournament. RJ Cole is the most outstanding player. Who do you got, Cobb?
1: Yeah, I'm going Nova. This is a team that nationally has been slept on since they lost some of their marquee non-conference games uh, early on. So they they dropped games against UCLA, Purdue, uh, Baylor. They, they did beat Tennessee, but th- it's a team that kind of fell off the national radar in some respects because of the fact that it didn't have a strong showing early in the season as it was navigating uh, some injury and depth problems, mind you. So a little bit of a deeper team now that at least I think is in better position to soldier the postseason than it was to soldier uh, November. And a team that is coached by Jay Wright, a team that has gone on the road and, and beaten some good teams in this league. So I will go Villanova to win it all. I'm having a hard time deciding who I really believe is they're going to meet in the title game, though. I, I think at the end of the day, I, I go Providence because of just a, a tip of the cap and some respect on that Friars team and what Ed Cooley and that, that squad have accomplished this season. Uh, I caught some flack a couple months ago for leaving Al Durham off my midseason uh, top transfers list. In, in reality, he was – just off the list, right right on, on the brink, and, and certainly had a case to be in the top 20. He wasn't in the top 20, though, because the statistics don't match the reality with Al Durham. And so from a metric standpoint, he embodies Providence. The metrics are not there with Providence. The metrics do not back up Providence being a team that can have a great march but the metrics don't account for the way that Al Durham seems to always get to the free throw line in the clutch uh, in the clutch moments of, of big games. And so I think he's a made-for-March type of player, and I think that's going to prove itself in this tournament. And you look at the fact, if they get past their, their quarterfinal game, they're going up against uh, potentially a Creighton team that's going to be without Ryan Nimhardt, their point guard. And I think that makes their path, a little bit easier, um, and it could be Marquette they meet in the in the semifinals. But ultimately, I think I see Villanova beating Providence in uh, in the finals in what would be a phenomenal third game between those two teams.
0: And I assume you go Gillespie, MOP, if that's the case, Nova winning, or anyone else on that roster? I mean, yeah, I
1: think I mean, Justin Moore could very easily be the, yep. the most outstanding player as well. It just depends on who has the hot hand for that team. Shoot, Jermaine Samuels could— put together three consecutive double doubles. I mean they've got three really really good veteran players um in those three guys who uh I think will take turns this month being the the guy who who leads Villanova. Uh
0: two quick notes on Teams that we didn't talk about that that are going to play a factor in this, just you know that we didn't talk about much. Seton Hall, twenty and nine. Jared Roden's a really good player, um, and you know this team isn't fully healthy, but it's it's won five in a row heading into the tournament. Seton Hall is the true dark horse in this one, and then we meant you mentioned Nembhard at Creighton. Creighton to even be in the tournament, it's going to the NCAA tournament. It's it's safely no matter what happens here. Greg McTurney's done a wonderful job. Uh, Blue Jays are not high on the metrics, but they're twenty and ten. They, they've certainly done enough to get in. I don't think you got anything to worry about if you're a Creighton fan, and you know. This tournament will have, uh, will have some of its surprises. It normally does. It usually provides that overall. Uh, I was there eight years ago. It must have been eight years ago when Providence won the tournament. Ed Cooley gets him into the big dance because of it. I th- I'm almost positive Providence was like an NIT team before. And then they run the table and they win it. And the, like that's one of my favorite Big East tournament memories. So we could have something like that. All I'm, all I'm asking is I want for the sake of just being there to cover this either get me Providence or Yukon one of those two I don't need both of them but one of those two in the title game purely for it cuz though like again Nova fans are going to show up in huge force Seton Hall everyone but I'm telling you Providence and Yukon will they they will drive up the secondary market of the of the of ticket prices not quite at Coach K final game level, but you get what I'm saying there. Being in the region, it's, it's UConn is really going to bring this tournament to another level and kind of get everyone even closer together than the Big East tournament had already been in recent years when it had it had been just fine despite the, uh, the conference uh, fracturing. Sure. Any last thoughts before we get out of here?
1: Yeah, I want to know why you're sleeping on the Friars. What, what is it about Providence? What have they not shown you over the last two, three months that makes you kind of doubt them?
0: I'm not. I, it's it's not me sleeping at all. I just I, I don't think we're going to get a chalky Big East. That's that's purely it. I'm I'm in on Providence. I've had him in my power rankings almost the entire season. I think that Providence is better than its metrics right now. And Ed Cooley, I would have top three for national coach of the year at this point. It's only losses. Neutral to Virginia got rolled uh, at Marquette, got steamrolled. And then they split they not. They split. They got swept uh, in two games against Villanova. That's it. Really good team. I think Jared Bynum is a top 10 to 15 defender in the country. Nate Watson, second team, all big East, a little bit undervalued. You mentioned Durham overall, excuse me, Justin Minaya, top 10 to 15 defender. I was looking at Bynum's name when I was meant to say Minaya. And then Bynum's a really, really great shooter. Like they've got, they've got a lot there. So Providence can win the Big East tournament, but I'm going to take a chance. Give me Yukon over Marquette. And, uh, and there we have it. All right, Cobb, we're getting out of here. I'm trying to keep this tight. I wanted that 20. And we're at 25 Gosh, How is How long is your podcast with Paris going to go? Over under 30 minutes. Can you keep it under 30? Are we SEC? I think you might be. I think the SEC might be you and Parrish. You'll have to wait for it to publish on YouTube and in the feed later this week to find out. We will see. We're
1: both both in that geographic footprint, so it it could go a while.
0: Could be a little long. But thank you to everyone for watching and or listening. Continuing to subscribe. we got plenty more of this stuff coming your way. We want to keep your podcast feed active throughout the month of March, keep you updated on all the news, some good discussion points. Hopefully this, you know, gets you even more excited for the games. So for David Cobb, I'm Matt Norlander. You'll probably have another one of these episodes literally in your feed right now. Go listen to it.
1: Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.